This guy's methodical, exacting, and worst of all, patient. He's a nutbag. Because if the fucker's got a library card, doesn't make him a Yoda. Well, get on with it, man. Just don't stand there. You get the feeling that everything in America is completely fucked up. I've seen a part of myself no man should ever see. No, I don't feel all right. None of us feel all right. Yeah. I feel like I'm in an interview. Yeah. Do I get the job now? I just don't think you're a fit for the job. For the position. I, that's what I was telling yeah. you this whole time. I realized that after I set it up. Yeah. And I was like, that's kind of intimidating. <laughs> so I pulled the chair down a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let's start, I guess. All right, uh, today, first episode of Discoursers. No long intro, no nothing. Let's get into it. I'm here with Roman Baker. Yep. Owner of Midtown Cava Lounge. I'll do my own introduction, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I just, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to like talk, talk a little shit beforehand. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, let's see. Uh, it's difficult to like. I already know you, so it's difficult to like. Touch yeah. You, I guess. Oh, uh, I guess we should do the rules. Yeah. Okay. I forgot to do that at first. Lay them on me. We'll just do it right now. Considering it's the first episode, I guess I got to kind of explain this. I'm gonna start adding more rules to it. And the entire point of this podcast is to just to promote healthy discourse. Okay. It's literally just back and forth, uh, people people communicating without being offended by each other because of a miscommunication or, you know, like just not attacking the idea, the not person, the person. Yeah. not the idea. Okay, so I've only got four rules so far, and which you, you would agree to. Um, we do this anyway, but we'll do it for the fucking podcast. Absolutely. Uh, rule number one, keep it civil. Uh, let's both get out of here in one piece. That's a pretty straightforward. If one is offended or aggravated, they ask the other person to explain the statement that offended them or aggravated them. Right. Pretty simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, only interrupt if the other person is exhausting a point. You know, somebody's just grandstanding and just dead. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. okay, 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 okay. Come the fuck Got it. Yeah. Right. Be yourself. Because that's who I want to talk to. Yeah. Look at that. that is, isn't that heartwarming? Yeah, it really yeah. is. Oh, Be yourself. Touching the mic, over and here. you're gonna regret that statement one day. <laughs> you're gonna tell the wrong person yeah, to be themselves. Exactly. I can be me. <gasps> oh, watch out, buddy. Exactly. Yeah. They pull the hamster out of their ass. See? Like, I want to know that, man. I just, I didn't need to know that much. About <laughs> right. Right. Let's. Okay. Let's go seventy-five percent. Be yourself let's within go. reason is a pretty good. Yeah, add-on. Yeah. Who are you, man? Who am I? This is a bit more than fucking. Okay. Uh, yeah. So turn it over. This is a bit more than shit talking now. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. who am I? Well, let's go ahead into the, the Midtown Cover Lounge. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, um, there's a budding. I hope that sounds awful. Me adjusting my mic. Um, Probably. Yeah. <laughs> we are. Uh, yeah, we're a we're a fairly. I'd say let's say a relatively new cover bar here locally in Tallahassee, and uh, open mostly on the premise that the competing cover bars drinks are just way too goddamn expensive. And kava's not expensive to make. It's fucking dirt from another country. And you just mix it up with some water and you give it to people. They drink it. They're happy. Do we have to and invade uh, the country first? No, they give it to us willingly. It's not even like a fucking effort to, to justify all this upcharge. So when you're paying like $6 for a bowl of dirt, 
And yeah, the dirt makes you high, but you're like, it's still just a fucking bowl of dirt. What am I doing here? Uh, you just right. pay a pay a little bit more money. You open up your own business, and now you can sell the fucking dirt for four dollars. And what do you know? People are way more willing to spend less money on a bowl of dirt yeah. than more. And uh, I gotta say, you did successful business model. Might want to work on a selling point on that. Oh <laughs> man, yeah. Like I don't think anybody listening to this is either already drinking at the bar or they'll <laughs> never they'll never have the opportunity to drink. Uh, no, kava is a fucking fantastic substance for sure. Um, mm. I, I I just wasn't taking this as an all-out plugging opportunity. Right. I guess. <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, if you know about kava, you already know it's great. If you don't, well, it's know fantastic. About... I drink it all the time. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you already know about kava, then you, yeah, obviously you don't need me to tell you about it. And if you don't, then just Google it. <laughs> fucking, it's uh, the facts stand for themselves. It's an it's an actual alcohol alternative. It's not some holistic bullshit. Right. Yeah. And the and the uh, the kratom kratom. How you pronounce that? Official. Yeah, Kratom. It depends on whether or not you're trying to make a pun. Because uh, gotcha. we started right. saying, like, right. as, a, as a tagline that we should probably get trademarked. I mean, that is already trademarked. But uh, uh, don't hate them, Kratom. I say Kratom. But for the sake of the pun, it's now it's Kratom. Okay. So okay. I don't think that's... I think it's a loose and fast rule. I don't think there's an official... All right. Well, we'll, say, we'll say Kratom. Yeah. Uh, Kratom's actually used for, for people who... Uh, are getting off of narcotics as well. Absolutely. Like things like no, that. No, it really is. Yeah. Um, it's it's helped out a person that I knew personally, actually. It's not even like a fucking... It's still anecdotal, I guess, but it's not even like I just read this in a paper, but a guy, a buddy of mine who was, you know, severely addicted to Oxycontin. Um, and not even because he's like some slum loser. He was in a sports-related uh, accident in high school. Mm. He gets this Back prescribed... Injury? Huh? Back injury? I don't remember what kind of injury. He just he said he played sports. He got injured. He can't play sports anymore. But he was prescribed oxycotton by a doctor, uh, and just the amount he was prescribed was absurdly irresponsible. Mm. However, I'm sure, you know, they made more money that way because they're selling more of it. Of course, they're pushing of course, a drug yeah, yeah. essentially. Yeah. Uh, you, that, ever, you ever notice that all doctors' offices have pens that have like the print on the side of a drug? It's because all the fucking drug companies. Oh, come yeah. I never even looked at that. That's they, true. Every single one. If you, if you see the little sticky notepads at yeah. the top of it, it'll have like, you know, like penis flex or whatever it is for a harder dick. And right there at the top of it. So they give them a bunch of free shit. Yeah. To, to remind them. And then they go like, hey, you can get more free you, shit. Yeah, you can get more free shit. Yeah, prescribe better more drugs. Shit. But yeah, that's absolutely what happened to him. He was like, it's almost like he was hustled. Uh, you know, but like yeah. lawfully, <laughs> right? And right. Um, you know, uh, he only really needed a certain IRS. amount, and he may have even been told he only needs a certain amount at a time. But I mean, he was prescribed in an excess of more than that, so right. he just kept taking more. And his parents were as not vigilant whatsoever, and he just stayed in his room all day, just strung out on oxy, and nobody poked in and be like, "Hey, what's going on in here?" You know what I mean? So right. he just he was just doping up, and his uh, parents were none the wiser, and then. He um, was severely fucking addicted. And if he ever tried to go any length of time without taking Oxy, he started getting the shakes, he wanted to puke, you know, the typical shit. Yeah. But when he started feeling that come on, he could drink Kratom. And while he wouldn't get the same high as Oxy, the withdrawal symptoms were negated. So right. it's like it really helped him just overcome the addiction, you know. And they still have like a little bit of the mental, like oh, oh yeah. He, he would it. talk about yeah. how he wanted it right. in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. but it was really easy to talk himself out of that physical uh, desire when you just remind yourself of like, yep. Yeah, and then I'm bedridden, and mm -hmm. uh, if I stop doing it, I start wanting to be fucking puke, mm -hmm. you know. So yeah, um, yeah he, he, I mean, obviously you got to personally want to stop doing the stuff because there's no reason you wouldn't be able to just 
hit the oxy when you when you were able to, and then drink kratom when you weren't. But uh, you know, he he wanted to stop, and this prevented the physical limitations of the withdrawal from keeping him from right. doing so. Mm-hmm. Um, like he didn't have to wean himself off of it; he could just quit on a solid oxy uh, dependency cold turkey mm-hmm. with no physical ramifications, no hospital trips, nothing. Does that work? Do you think that would work for like alcoholic DTs? You know, I've never met a person. Or is it just a particular receptors? I think it's, well, I know with, at least with Oxy, the opium, it's the fucking, uh, you have opioid receptors that Mm -hmm. are triggered by Kratom, but they're not passed through in the same way as an opiate. That's why it doesn't make you, give you the same kind of a high. But it triggers it. And then your brain thinks, oh, I'm on opioids. And then the physical withdrawal stop. Right. Okay. So, um, yeah. So it's 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 kind of beautiful in how it works like that. Now, I there is a huge. There's a lot to be said about kratom helping people stop drinking alcohol. I don't I haven't met anybody with a testimony that was like you know a hard fucking alcoholic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? With severe liver damage and a genuine dependency. Actually, Chandler. Well, I mean, Chandler was pretty close to that. Yeah, I know he 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 said as much. Uh, yeah. But I think a lot of his addiction came from the social uh, environment provided by alcohol. Because without the booze, he didn't really have anywhere to go. He would talk about how he was the he communal. Oh, did he? Yeah. He drank oh, alone. okay. He, he was yeah. telling me he was just going to Leon Pub too much. Okay. I feel like this is too much getting into this. I don't mean to. Well, eat. I don't know. I yeah. mean, like, Ch- Chandler wouldn't care. We yeah, talk about it, But it's basically, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he, it did help him quit. Uh, he was one of the people I thought about. But I mean, right. I'm talking, I'm thinking like Frank Gallagher, if you've ever seen Shameless or some fucking like. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah extreme yeah. example. Yeah. And uh, I, I say, I don't know anything about that. But the, I know that one of the biggest things is that Kratom does give you something similar to an alcohol buzz. Um, it's not nearly as strong and it doesn't fuck up your motor skills or anything like that, but it's mm-hmm. close enough and it gives you the social context by which most people drink alcohol. And so there, in, the, in that capacity, it's very much a, right. um, a substitute. So. Well, I drank it once and I got naked in the bar. Kratom? But yeah. yeah. Like but like, I think you were pretending to get naked before the Kratom. Yeah, 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 so. yeah. I wanted to blame it on the Kratom. Oh, okay, yeah. But, yeah. Whatever works for you. Yeah. I, I needed a justification for that. Yeah. Let's see. So, oh yeah, the, the, the Midtown Cabo Lounge actually just got, to go back to that for a second, uh, just a year. Oh yeah, we did our one year. Yeah. That was a pretty good deal, yeah. yeah. Did you think you'd make it that long? Uh, do we think what? Do we think that we would make it that long? Um, I, I mean, mean, new businesses, you know what I mean. It's... So I mean, the whole, but the way that it it came together was only it only came together in the way that it did because all parties assumed actually that it would do this well. So like we knew going into it naturally, there's always a risk that it could fall through. Uh-huh. But the way it came together, my initial involvement with the business, um, the little history on Midtown Cava Lounge here. Um, Charlie, Ron, and I were just regulars at um, Kavakazi. Mm-hmm. There was another Charlie at Kavakazi. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're transgender Charlie. So this is already, we're going to okay. get a little bit of the darker yeah. of who I really am, the jokes that I make. I res- fucking, I guess, preface this. I respect transgender people. I understand that you're born this way and this is how you cope with the world and whatever you're going through and how you identify and that's fine. Anyways, here's the story. So um, there's the hashtags Charlie's already being made for that is, one. Yeah, that's it's already being made. This is a paragraph <laughs> with a hashtag in front of it. <laughs> Uh, no, the so that's I felt like a lot like saying. Let me tell you the story, but mind you, I have black friends. That's, it sounds of the same caliber of like I'm about to say something right, fucked right. up. But uh, I have Jewish friends. I don't I know what you Jewish mean. Friends. I am Jewish, yeah. but the uh, I'm not. But the so yeah, there's two Charlies at Kavakazi. We go to Kavakazi. I go there a lot. I'm talking about Charlie to somebody, and they go, "Wait, which Charlie?" And how I always identified it was like there was a 
Charlie, and there was a transgender Charlie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I mean, girl Charlie. And that was just once. Yeah. <laughs> People always gave me a shitty look for that. And I was like, but do you know who I mean? Yeah. So, it's like that. so you're thinking it too. Like, you're not, I mean, you know who I mean. You're not like, there is no girl Charlie. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. So, anyways, and they were like, uh, no, I mean, traitor Charlie. And I was like, that's kind of a fucked up way to refer to transgender. Like a transgender person? What do you mean? A tra- like a sex traitor? And they're like, no, I'm talking about the other Charlie. And I was like, he's not transgender. And I was like, they're like, I know, but he's a traitor. <laughs> and I was like, oh. <laughs> and, so, and so I was like, how the fuck is Charlie a traitor? He's here every day. I don't even think there's another comma bar in town. Like, what are you talking about? Traitor, traitor to what? Yeah. I know he voted for Trump, but still, that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, no, he's a traitor because he's thinking about opening his own comma bar. And I was like, um, how do you, would you even know that? Like, I wouldn't come into a comma bar talking about how I'm going to open another comma bar. Right. How, does this, how is this information being circulated? Well, Ron put, printed out their fucking bylaws or some shit. Or their operating agreement and uh, left it in the printer. He printed it out at Kamikaze and left it oh, in the shit. printer. <laughs> Isn't, I mean, but it's wrong. Okay, it's, of course. Okay, yeah. Who else? And right. so, um, yeah, that's how it came out. And I guess there was some beef between Charlie and the owners of Kamikaze for a while. But being it, that it was the only comic bar, he still went there. And being that he was their best customer, they did not tell him to leave. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, he, he remained at Kamikaze for a while. But I was like, huh. He's thinking about making his own comic bar, right? Because what, like my third time at Kavakazi, this is where I discovered Kava and Kratom. And I was just like, this shit's amazing. Like I wasn't even, I was coming out of the fucking six year bender that is being enlisted in the military. Right. And I was drinking like for a solid month, just Kava and Kratom. Didn't even realize I wasn't drinking booze as much. Right. You know Air, what I mean? Air Force, was, right? Yes, Air Force. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, this is fucking incredible. And I was like, are there any other Kava bars? In town, because I noticed their sign out said said like number one kava bar in Tallahassee. Yeah, it's like the only fucking kava bar in Tallahassee. And they explained that joke to me. I didn't get it. I just figured this was a new thing that caught on in my six yeah. years overseas. And then I come back and there's this new craze. And I was like, this is the only one in town. And they're like, yep. I was like, interesting. <laughs> like, because yeah. I've already started my own business at this point. It's a holdings company, but I was like, I'm already thinking about this entrepreneur. I was like, all these so fucking people in here. So you're doing a lot of like offshore stuff? Or like... Oh, no. We just we actually just buy and sell with just safe companies. Right, uh, right. But yeah, I wish. One day. Um, no, so the... Uh, yeah, I'm thinking this from an entrepreneur uh, perspective because I'm like, all these college kids come in here, drink this shit, and they're like, oh, this is new crazy thing. None of them are thinking like, this works and I like it and there's nothing else around to compete with me. You know what I mean? Like this is a brand new market. Yeah. It's not like you're trying to start a coffee shop and Starbucks is next down the street right. with this insane corporate competition. That's it's yeah. like I, there's I no such thing as corporate competition. I, exactly. That, yeah. They just they own the market. I couldn't just sit here and be like flirt with the idea of creating a soda. Mm-hmm. That doesn't fucking exist. Right. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And realistically, or a new brand ever of expect to be or Coke or yeah. Pepsi. Yeah. Uh, and same thing with coffee. You can't just make a small time coffee shop and hope it'll become like this commercial success. It, it, mm-hmm. the, the, that market is already provided for. Right. Kava and Kratom is just unprecedented. There's nothing like it. It's mm-hmm. totally unique and it only came to the US back in 02 and it still has not took off on the mainstream appeal that it can easily garner. And right. it is, it, it's, it's definitely, we're sitting here at the grassroots of a huge industrial movement and uh, we're hoping for the best. But so when I went to Charlie and, and Ron, I went to Charlie before I went to Ron and I was like, so I heard, because uh, he's the trader. So I was like, so I heard you're uh, 
Not transgender. Yeah, though he's not transgender. He's just a regular trader. Uh, I don't like that association. (laughs) Anyways. Oh, regular, huh? Oh, as as an irregular? Oh, oh, yeah. There's a hashtag. There we go. Irregular as in my bowels? Yeah. So I was like, yeah, Charlie, do you, you're thinking about starting a comic bar? And he's like, yeah. And he's trying to be low key about it. And we're, I just went out to share a cigarette with him because I noticed he was the only one smoking a cigarette. I'm like, this is a perfect time for this conversation. And I was like, okay, well, how far along are you guys? Are you guys thinking about opening up soon or what? And he goes, well, yeah, we have a lot of the, we got a lot of the ideas squared away. You're not doing um, proper Charlie. I, no, I, can't, proper I can't do a Charlie. <laughs> I can't. He's got a very unique candor about him. Or just his, his yeah, the cadence of his speech is different. But so he, um, he's like, yeah, well, we have all our ducks lined up. Or whatever, you know, we're just waiting for some money to come in. We're applying for loans here and there. And I was like, how much money does it take to open a kava bar? And he's like, less than 10 grand. And I was like, what if I could make that money appear tomorrow, Charlie? <laughs> like, what if what yeah, if yeah. we, what if I was able to acquire 10 grand? Could we just do this? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, that's literally the only thing. And I was like, dope. So I got on the phone and I was like, dude, you got, we got to make a kava bar. I know you don't know what that is. Right. We have to do <laughs> right. this. We have to. Yeah. Like this, I mean, this could be immense. And so he's like, I don't even know what that is. So he orders. Is a good friend from the Air Force. Yes. Right? Yeah. He's, he's actually the, the partner of mine that I started my the original business with. Right. Uh, we were like good friends in the Air Force. We've known each other for like four years. We were in tech school together. Mm-hmm. And so I get on the phone with him and I'm like, you know, we got to make a kava bar. So he naturally wants to try it out. He orders some to the UK. Right. And he finds out when he's trying to order some kava to come in, it's actually illegal in the UK. That's where he was stationed at the time. I got out of the military before he did. Right. So he was still stationed in the UK and um, he tried to order some. It's illegal in the UK. And already he's like, I'm more interested now. (laughs) If the UK wants to illegalize it, it must be fun. That's a hell of a selling point. It's like, well, it's fucking illegal in some countries. Uh, This must be a cool thing. So he gets some off the dark web. Right. And he still gets it sent in. And, um, uh, or it was either through the dark web or he got it sent through his military PO. That way it still was a U.S. address, but it was in the U.K. And he just could not let anybody know he had it in his U.K. residence. Right. And so, um, anyways, he gets some I just, I just want to kind of like pause here for a second. Yeah. And be like, you sure you want to tell that on audio and video? I, it's a fucking, it's the U.K., dude. We're, All right. we're out now. I mean, we're right. out now. Um, it's... I, I don't know. I'll double check with him. I don't think it's a fucking issue. Yeah, yeah. We'll just double uh, check with him. We'll, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll double check with him. Yeah. I don't think. I mean, anything I got away with in Italy at this point, I just treat it like a got away scot clean. Right. Yeah. And yeah. like, because uh, you're when you get it's not like the they're going to extradite you for no. But something to keep in mind though, that international law applies like to military members. So if you break an international law, like you know, if you're still in the military, it can have repercussions for you. So mm-hmm. when you're when I got out, um, you have to do a certain amount of time in inactive reserve after you get out of the military. Mm-hmm. So for two years, uh, when I got out, uh, I'm past that mark now, just this year, but um, I was still in inactive reserve. And I was telling people about how I did all this shit that would technically be considered um, desertion. <laughs> and I was like, shit, dude, I'm still in active reserve. Maybe I shouldn't be telling people this. But now right. I like, fuck it, I'm out. They can't, they can't do shit. Like, what right. are they gonna do? Like, yeah, yeah. so. Anyways, I mean, if they really wanted to, they could. If find they a really way. wanted to, but God, it's not like you're that fucking what, important. What an egregious no waste of tax dollars! Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? We came after this guy three years after the fact. He yeah. got one over on us. We're gonna set things right, though. We're gonna spend a bunch of tax dollars to keep him in jail. Right? Uh, fucking just stupid. Um, so, anyways, yeah, got it from the dark web. Yeah, he got it online. 
in some capacity that was not strictly legal speaking in the UK, totally illegal in the UK or in the US. And so anyways, he tries it and he's like, this is fucking awesome. Yeah, we should get into this. This is definitely like, this isn't a huge thing. I was like, there's one bar in Tallahassee. They're talking about open up a second one. If we hop to it, we can be the second one. So the already Kavakazi, the people who owned Kavakazi, mm-hmm. were doing so well oh, yeah. on this one location. They were like, we can open a second. And they were planning it out. They were trying to be slow and safe about it. But I was like, if we just fucking throw caution to the wind and just balls to the wall at this, we can be the second yeah. one before the established Kava yeah. chain. Because if the established Kava chain opens a second one and then somebody else opens a third one, that looks more closely like riding coattails. Right. Like, oh, this was a really yeah. good idea. We should make our and own. You can actually, it seems off-brand. You can actually kind of tell that it was kind of thrown together like the last time. Oh, right? we, you, can yes, still, you can still we, tell that to yeah. this day, but yeah. that's actually what I like about it. Yeah, is it that creates an atmosphere. It's got this atmosphere of like being at home. It it's is, not it, perfect. It is, it's, yeah, like, it's just a couple of pieces of wood held together with just heart and good intentions <laughs> elmer's glue yeah there yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it, it gives that vibe yeah and it, it you know we we've been we've been stressing about like maybe changing the atmosphere in there but we're like no um it that we don't want to attack the soul of the right. place so while there are some things that will probably change in the grand scheme of things now mm-hmm. i mean it'll it uh, we wanted to keep that homey kind like a, of like a disco ball <laughs> yeah just a bunch of yeah. pieces of glass yeah yeah I mean, is there more you want to hear about Midtown? Uh, we can we can come back to that later, or sure. like if it comes up again. Uh, let's see. So, what do you think is like, like like as far as like the legal status of like Kava and Kratom? Like what? Well, like in America, yeah, in, in the U.S. About that. Right. So in the U.S., Kava is actually by the FDA considered to be a dietary supplement. So there is no like 18 up or uh, any kind of like legal requirements governing it. But you, you guys card. Hmm? You guys card for like a certain age. You know, we we uh, we obviously aren't super strict about the carding. We aren't legally required to card, right? Obviously, but if right. somebody is there and we're like, we tried it. We we only want to really serve to people that are eighteen, right? Right? Because eventually, there's going to be a reason. I mean, just with the potency of kava and what it can do to you if you drink a lot of it, yeah. And and the effects of kratom in general. You know, there's going to come a time when it it will eventually get an age regulation. There's not a doubt in my mind about that. Yeah. It, there currently isn't one for either. And we don't want to be the place that serves it to like a 15-year-old and they get fucking stupid. And then now suddenly there's a you know, some story in the paper and now yeah, we have to... How they OD'd on Yeah, or, yeah or and it's going to be like, spun yeah. in the worst, scientifically yeah. inaccurate and just maligned way. And, and then... Uh, okay. <laughs> and um, There's a cup right over there with water right. in it. I'm sure they Choose one to ash and choose one to drink. But is it, are they both okay to drink now? Yeah, they're both okay to drink now, I think. Pretty sure. Mm. Want me to leave some water in here to ash into? No, I have my own. I already. I already okay. Do I need to ash in the water, or is it okay to just ash? Just ash in the water. Yeah. I mean, oh. you got one over there too. I see. Yeah. I see. I understand. Yeah, I gotta say, man, I, I did not expect like when I first moved here, probably about, I guess two and a half years now, ish, three years. It's going on. I, I, I fucking hated this place, Tallahassee, Florida. I hated it. Like, I despised it. But there were only a few places that actually locked me down into liking this place. One was a black dog on, like, LA. Really? I've heard good things about that. Which is where I met Chandler. 
Uh, and then we fast became friends. Yeah. And then he was like, hey, I'm going to this new Kava. Chandler's and, a reoccurring character throughout our stories. At absolutely. some point, we're going to have to explain who Chandler is. Yeah, we will. Yeah. We'll get Actually, around to Actually, no, it. I like the better idea of just constantly referencing him. That way people get a grander idea of, in their head, who Chandler is. Well, we could build him up till I have him on the podcast. Ooh. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it'd be like this special story. Yeah, I want to make him like, like a season finale. You know, everyone talks about Chandler the whole time, dropping, and then the season finale, it's Chandler! You have to have like an intrigue thing, yeah. And then we'll pick another entry character. But yeah, I fucking, like, I hated this place until I found Black Dog on Lake Ella, Leon Pub, and Midtown Cava Lounge. I am like, Midtown, fucking, that is, that is like the biggest thing. Like, sometimes we will get, like, really fat checks at the end of the night. We're like, damn, we made this much money. That is awesome. That really validates our decision to make this place. But even more so to me is the testimony from people about like, man, I fucking hated Tallahassee until I got like Midtown Cobble Lounge. Right. It's like, that was why we, like obviously we did this because we wanted to make money. But right. we, it's also the dream is that people also appreciate it the way that we do. Well, it's obviously, yeah. it's, it's, it's obviously was made as a place for people to go to talk about anything they want. Yes. And, and discuss that and other people. Like I have, I don't think I've ever heard an all out argument there. Mm-mm. Like people get, I mean, like because well, the Kava keeps you calm. For instance, like there, are, there are Trump supporters that go there. Yes. There are liberals that go there. There yes. are libertarians. There are moderates. It's a very I'm, diverse I'm more of a moderate. Like, field. You guys yeah. are usually libertarian. It's not a liberal place. It's not a conservative place. It's, right. It's a lot of everything. Yeah, yeah. and that, and and you could have someone who utterly despises Trump in that like mega liberal way, talking with someone like Charlie, yeah, who's a Trump supporter. Yeah. And, never, and they can have a healthy conversation about why they hands. disagree. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, well, this is what I like about Trump. These, this is what I don't like about Trump. You know what I mean? And it's, and it's just, it's, it's, it's like you say, it's a discourse. Absolutely. Know? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're trying to do here. Absolutely. And especially, you know, like not even just politics. Like it's religion. Everything. Because a couple of people are. There's Christian. a Catholic that goes there. Yeah, there are yeah. a couple of people that are Christian. There are a couple of people that think they're Jesus. You yeah. go there. He is so. further than the religion. You don't get any more Christian yeah. than that. All right, exactly. And then, the, and then there's the people there that tell them to their fucking face they're not Jesus. Yeah. And they still can have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not that only yeah. Blows my mind. You're right. Blows my mind, man. I, I honestly like it's it's one of the things that that actually kind of inspired this this podcast was to just show what that could, what that environment could be like you know like how how do you recreate that environment and how do you get people to just share who they really are without some sort of bullshit mm-hmm. i don't care and there's a couple there's a couple split heads yeah exactly well it's I which mean, is it's, which is schizophrenic and I did not come up with that. I'm not schizophrenic, yeah, but a yeah, schizophrenic yeah, came yeah, up with that, yeah. so I'm fucking using it. Well, I mean, they didn't just come up with it. They just translated it. <laughs> it's schizophrenic means splithead. Yeah. It means splithead. I think it's Latin. Don't Latin, quote me yeah. on that, but I think it's Latin. And right. it, it means, yeah, it just means split-headed. Like, that's, that's so fucked up. <laughs> right. I made a whole comedy bit about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We both yeah. these stand up so... Um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, for one of my bits. Oh, he, I was, well, he does stand up. I attempt stand up. Yeah, I do stand up. I mean, everybody, everybody doing stand up is attempting to do stand up. That's just, true. Yeah, like yeah. everybody on their Netflix special, they're attempting to make I'll tell you about what Scott they said to do. me the last Wednesday. I did a Bird's uh, Aphrodisiac Shack. I, afterwards, like I had just, like 45 seconds in, I had an anxiety attack and I could barely hold the microphone. I was so, mm. like, my hands were numb. And I was like, I couldn't see the fucking mm-hmm. audience. It was like one big blur, and I just kept going. I just kept going. And it got about f- like 45 seconds to a minute in it, and I just threw my fucking notes to the ground and just yelled fuck it into the microphone and just started winging it. 
and I had so much fun. It wasn't, I didn't get a lot of laughs, but I had so much That's fun. The, the point is to have fun. Yeah. yeah. And then afterwards, I'm talking to Scott. He's like wrapping up the mics and shit. And uh, I'm like, hey, man, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on, even though I suck, you know, like on your lineup. Yeah. You know, because I know this is a pretty popular spot to do comedy. Yeah. And he was just like, well, here's an open mic. Yeah. There was no like, you're bad, you're good. He goes, it's an open mic. Yeah. And I was like, wow, way to leave that up in the air, asshole. I wasn't looking for validation, yeah. but Jesus fucking Christ, yeah. something. like. Yeah. <laughs> I, to me, that seems very reassuring. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, don't put yourself under a bunch of pressure to be amazing here. Yeah. This is where you come to learn how to do stand-up. Yeah, I mean, that was yeah. my ego talking. You know what I mean? I was literally looking yeah. for some sort of validation. Yeah, tell me I'm know? not that bad. Right, exactly. Yeah. Give me something here. You're right. Uh, how long have you been doing stand-up? I started doing stand-up at the warehouse. I don't know if you know that. I don't know if I told mm. you that. Yeah, yeah, the warehouse is no longer there. Yes, right. before yeah. it got demolished. I started doing stand-up there three weeks before it was destroyed. And it was destroyed a little over a year ago. A couple months over a year ago. Yeah. So, yeah, I've been doing stand-up for about a year. Uh, on and off, obviously. I, uh, mm. I was really, really dedicated to it when I first started. I was dedicated to writing a whole new five-minute set every time I did it. And I figured Jesus if I do it this I way... I still do that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, a bitch. Yeah. It's a bitch to do. But yeah. the, the beauty of it is, you know, you obviously, you keep some stuff. You ditch other things that don't work. Mm. And before you know it, you have a 15-minute set. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, you have a 20-minute set, and you can obviously tailor these sets to tell the same jokes over the course of a longer period of time by doing longer callbacks. You know what I mean? Where you set up a joke, and instead of telling it right away like you might in a five-minute set, you just insert more of your material in between, and then you can call back to it more gracefully, and then it looks right. like this is a, this is a really well-executed five-minute set. And, it's like, and, no. you, and you usually try to keep, like, thematically within the same thing to keep that Right, or, or, or you don't, and you make that clear that that's part of your bit is that you jump around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then, okay. and then sometimes that's even more beautiful because if you have more abrupt segues and then you call back to something else, essentially tying everything together after the fact, right. post hoc, these aren't as random as you thought they were. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really an interesting way to do it okay. too. So there's, there, yeah, absolutely. There are people that just have a smooth 20 minutes that doesn't even feel like we've changed subjects, but we have because the segues are so good. Right. And then there's like the sporadic shit that is all lumped together. But obviously, if you keep it to where it's just a bunch of sporadic five minute, here's a joke, here's a joke, here's a joke, none of them are related, well mm -hmm. then you're a one-liner comedian, and that's right. its own thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There's a, there doesn't seem to be a lot of one-liners here in Tallahassee. Mm -hmm. I have like just two or three, I think, that are really like- Well, writing, one, on, writing enough one-liners to five do minute. five minutes, yeah. just even five minutes is very hard. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's a lot of- Even if you put a lot of awkward ideas. pauses in it, it's still yeah, fucking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, even if people are laughing their asses off at each joke, and you have enough time to just sit there and wait for them to stop laughing, like still, yeah. that's- Writing one-liners, good one-liners, to me, I don't even know how people do that shit. Because five-minute right. sets, you just tell a story. You yeah. know, tell a couple of funny anecdotes or stories, and then you're at your five minutes. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, you, you obviously have to go with- it's difficult for me because you're not just switching from like quantity to quality. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you would a lot of other arts, you know, like writing or whatever. You actually have to put a lot of brevity, like quality brevity into the one-liners. So it actually takes just as much effort to really hone that one-liner as it would like a 45-second joke or a minute joke. It takes more work, actually, because you're, boy you're trying to boil down a fuck ton of ideas into one simplistic right. thing. That's fucking rude. What are you doing? Hey, that's a middle of a I fucking a, podcast. I know. You know I just had a, I told the my family's cooking dinner, and I told them that if this ran past 7.30, that I would let them know. Okay. So I was just giving people a heads up. Oh, not, what time is it? Not mm -hmm. funny. It's 7.29. What time did we start? I don't remember. Okay. But, <laughs> whatever. I don't even remember. Um, we'll edit that in post. 
exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or just keep it in. Okay, that's I, fine. I'm not even about the editing thing. Okay. It's just about a healthy conversation, actual Perfect. conversation. All right. Yeah. What do you, what do you think is the best uh, the best way to keep healthy discourse? Say like you're disagreeing with someone. Like like say there's like an extreme liberal, right? Mm-hmm. They're doing their bleeding heart thing mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, some people are just totally object to the idea that uh, they could be wrong and that maybe they have to find some kind of leniency in what they what they perceive as like their moral belief, their moral foundation. So like some people, especially when it comes to Trump, will absolutely, even in a comma bar, do not give a shit. They are not going to have, they're not going to conduct themselves well in a conversation. They're going to be a very, very stubborn and they don't want to hear anybody else's point of view because they feel like they've already considered it or they've already heard it and it's bullshit. And that their beliefs are tried and true. There is no way that Trump has any redeeming qualities or there is no way that, I mean, this is just the easiest example, or that Trump has um, any faults and uh, or that the faults that he does have are consequential. And so there's just absolutely no shift one way or the other. And that's what it takes, I think, to actually have a healthy discourse is you have to be willing to accept, like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe mm-hmm. their point of view uh, can provide some in- incredible insight, even if it doesn't ultimately culminate in me being wrong, but maybe I can refine my view mm-hmm. in-, in a particular way. Like, well, maybe I still mm-hmm. don't like Trump, but I had considered this angle before, and now I have to come up with a new justification as to why I don't accept it, and then and, and heighten my view or like whatever. I think that is a- the largest barrier, is people do not like to be challenged in their fundamental beliefs. Um, right. And whether that's religion or politics, what have you, they don't they don't want to be challenged. They don't want to accept that maybe they're wrong about anything. Yeah. And so I think therefore I think the that's... discourse immediately is doomed to fail. It has no foundation right. which to even build. But then you have the example. I think this is more of what you're getting at. Um, discourse that sort of like goes awry. There was an opportunity for healthy discourse here. Right. Somehow it's been. What do you, what do, you what do you think? Let's narrow that down a little bit. Okay. What, what do you think are just boil it down to the main reasons that mm-hmm. you feel it goes wrong when you're talking to someone and it's uh, kind of like like logical fallacies get inserted or used. I would right. say is like a big thing. Yeah. Um, people don't respond well to being strawmanned. And right. so, but they don't necessarily know how to defend themselves from it. Right. Right. And they, or they don't, can't recognize that they are being straw manned. So they get heated. And now the discourse has fallen apart, not just because they've been straw manned, which you shouldn't do in a discourse, but right. because they just, they can't respond to it with tact. You know, the biggest thing right. is keeping your cool with somebody who is trying to destroy the, the discourse. Like if, let's say you're with a super alt-right or a SJW, somebody that is just really fixed in their extreme beliefs. Mm-hmm. You know, they say something just absurdly ignorant, and you're like, well, that's just retarded. You know what I mean? Well, now the discourse is being destroyed because you've been strawmanned, and then your response is, that's retarded. And you know what? You're right, but it doesn't change the fact that they're done communicating with you now. Right. You know? Well, some people people are ignorant of that. That's all, that's the only pattern that they know. Mm -hmm. So if you can show them, like, another way. Of course, by lead by example. Yeah. Not like you're exactly. teaching them. Nobody likes to be sat there like they're being talked to, like they're being taught something. Right. You know, exactly. somebody says something like, yeah. what's a stereotype? Like, let's see. Oh, you didn't vote for Trump or you voted for Hillary. So you're a socialist or you're a fucking cuck. You know what I mean? Right, like you're, right. you're that liberal. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no, I, I didn't vote for Trump because I'm disgusted with him and his, his person or his demeanor. Or I just don't like the fact that I was promised... We're getting out of the Middle East, and I didn't think he was genuine about saying we were going to get out of the Middle East. And sure enough, he carpet bombs fucking Syria. 
six months into his presidency. Right. But even even then, like you know, I didn't vote for him because I don't believe he's actually going to get out of the Middle East. He's saying that well, we're not. Well, but then Clinton technically is saying, that was a tactical strike that they knew beforehand, so they could get their people out. Mm-hmm. It was basically a, a bluff, right? Which is which is what he's good at. That's all he's good at. Yeah, bluffing. Yeah, like it, it actually talking works big. with some people. Yeah, it's talking yeah. big. Yeah, yeah, that's all he's good at. You could argue that that's what happened with North Korea. That that was what led, like, so like everybody has been super peaceable with North Korea. Yeah. We've made no progress on it in decades. And then he literally said, and "I'll bomb like, the shit out of you. I will fuck you up." And they're <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. "Okay, yeah. okay." Yeah. We'll, we'll fucking you can come across the first U.S. president to go across the the fucking no man land. Yeah. That's incredible. It's like, almost like North yeah. Korea was like just like a petulant teenager. And everyone's like, yeah, 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 okay, yeah, yeah, and They're, yeah, they're yeah. trying to do the liberal, you know, how to deal with your teenager. Well, how do you feel? How does this yeah. make you feel? You know yeah. what I mean? How does first world uh, policy and human rights violations make you feel? Right, And they're yeah. like, feed your fucking people. <laughs> right. And they're like, okay, shit. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we will come over there. Yeah. Absolutely. We'll, we'll fucking feed them. But yeah, that's the, uh, yeah, so I mean, this is, now it sounds like we're a bunch of Trump supporters. Uh, <laughs> you know what? The 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 the, the goalposts have been moved so far that yeah. we can literally say I don't like any of these politicians. I and you're, you're a Trump I do supporter. like Yang though. You know what? I have just recently gotten mostly on Yang's side. I'm not all the way there. I'm not mm-hmm. totally sold. I will say some of his policies I'm not a fan of, but he doesn't fuck around. Like, he literally goes into a fucking interview and doing way better than I'm doing now. But he jumps in and he goes straight towards his goal. And if anyone introduces something random into it, he deals with that very quickly, and then he moves on to his other point. Mm-hmm. He's like, yes, that's kind of part of this. Let's just let me stay on this point right here because these are the major points that I want to get across. Don't pull me off to the side too much. We can go a little bit. But he knows how to like keep that direction. He's, he's intelligent. He is not even remotely condescending. Oh, no, yeah. Like no, remotely condescending. Yeah, any interview you watch with the guy, he'll he'll swear, he'll talk like any other person would talk. Yeah. He, like, he, 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 it seems like the people that are interviewing him, whether they're talking with their equal. They're not asking questions of a person that, you know, may or may not answer them. Yeah, they're not looking up to him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, so he's a... Uh, He's my number one contender right now. I was a Bernie guy, but Bernie... Uh, well, he was... You're talking about moving the goalposts. There was a point in time in the fucking general election where if you were still a Bernie supporter and you didn't like Hillary because they're very different... Right. Um, oh, you're basically a Trump supporter. Yeah, you're not. If you, don't, if you don't vote for Hillary, who are you voting for? Gary Johnson? Fucking... Then you might as well be voting for Trump. And it's like... <laughs> that's gonna sound great. Yeah, that's gonna. That's yeah. It, but like, yeah, if you if you vote for Gary Johnson, then you might as well be voting for Trump. And it's like, what the fuck? No, you're yeah. assuming if I didn't vote for Gary Johnson, I'd be voting for Hillary Clinton. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think one of the issues with discourse, and this kind of ties back that back into that, but one of the issues with discourse is that if you only have two parties, you only have two dialogues, right? Of major veins. Of the dialogue it, it breaks off into smaller ones in, in, in thought and ideals but you've only got these two main veins where most of the information come from that's it so you how could you not expect people to just be at each other oh yeah it's gonna clash yeah. right yeah. yeah of course yeah. um especially i mean when you're in the extreme you're pitting two people that have very extreme um rooted beliefs you know what i mean they're not anywhere in the middle themselves they're on two far ends of the spectrum and there's nowhere to meet in the middle right because uh, they don't even have moderate beliefs and if you are right. a moderate oh what's your fucking fence sitter exactly what are you doing yeah might as well be a nazi sympathizer right like, why don't you agree to all of our beliefs or yeah. all of their beliefs right and it's like exactly. no i i i you're right about some things you're wrong about some things you're right about some things sometimes you guys are both wrong about the same thing 
so well, you know, yeah. almost all religions can agree on the fact that they don't like atheists. Oh yeah, almost all. Like yeah. this is the one point that Christian Christianity and Islam just overlap just, perfectly. Just like perfectly yeah. there, the we don't like diagram. atheists. Yeah, like and, and pick a fucking team, especially not apostates. We hate the people that fucking leave our team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just go, man, that was a load of horse shit. You do what to homosexuals? <laughs> right. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I'm not even homosexual, and I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. How do, you, how do you think uh, you learn on a daily basis to, like, better communicate with people? What do you, what do you, what do, you do? What are some, like, exercises in conversation? you think you do so i try not to react sometimes to like what people say in the way that i really want to i try to hold back a little bit right uh one of the one of the biggest examples that i can think of a time where i failed to do that i was having um you were part of this we were having that whole timed debate between like me and justin and a few other people that hopped in and each person had like five minutes to speak and they had like a thing that they held when it was their turn to speak because people were just talking over each other the whole time. Right. And right, this all started right. because like they were talking about a certain policy or I can't remember. It was something was being done in the U.S. and it was similar Abortion, to China or they did it in China, right? And I was like, well, you wouldn't want to fucking live in China. And they're like, why? Why? What's wrong with China? Why wouldn't you want to live in China? I was like, because China fucking sucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's stupid. What kind of question is that? Right. And then like you know, oh, you just straw manned us or whatever. And it's like, okay, sure, I did, but I didn't think I'd explain why it sucks to live in China. I figured yeah. as soon as I tell you it sucks to live in China, that all the reasons are just there. Right. You know, yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. But so, anyways, I realized, you know, that that that, a, that assumption actually is like a big part of a lot of exactly conversations. Yeah. exactly. So I was like, yeah. well, I didn't. I really didn't. I mean, yes, obviously, it sucks to live in China. But he clearly doesn't think it would. So, yeah. you know, when somebody is supporting, no matter how absurd, whatever somebody is espousing, you know, you need to, like, break down why it is that you think that thing is absurd. No matter how obvious it might seem to you. Right. You know, right. like, yeah, okay, yeah, this yeah. is why I would not want to live. You. This is why you don't even want to live in China, if, whether or not you're acknowledging it. Mm-hmm. This is, I guess this was before the whole Taiwan thing. Yeah, I I'm guess yeah, I'm it was. So, yeah. Definitely. But th- no, this was with Justin before Justin became Justin. Before Justin became Jesus. Oh, before uh, Jesus. Pre-Jesus. Pre-Jesus. Yeah, BC uh, well, I, I'm sure he thought he was Jesus back then, too. We just hadn't gotten to it in the conversation. Just hadn't admitted it, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, I realized the China thing is just an uh, extreme example, but people react this way to, to even less absurd things. Uh, every day, like if, if somebody is a socialist, for example, I'm not a socialist, but when somebody tries to espouse socialism, uh, one of the very common rebuttals that they get is, oh, that's just fucking communism. You know what I mean? And right. it's like, yeah, you're yeah, yeah. fucking stupid. Like, you know, it's not. They're, they're two totally different things. That's why they have two totally different names. Right. Like, yeah, that's. And well, so... I like to view it as a, a spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's a spectrum. Like on one side, like it, the reason why we have so much trouble saying the word socialist is that we don't know what the fuck it means. Yeah. Like, you, you, on the one end, you have extreme capitalism, which is basically every fucking person for themselves. You better fucking hustle. You better get your shit going, you know? And on the other end, you have, don't worry, we'll totally take care of you. D- these are the, like the, the, what they preach. Right. Not, not what they actually do, but what they preach. Yeah. It's like, everyone has an opportunity. Everyone doesn't need an opportunity. We take care of you. And everything in the middle is socialism. Yeah. That's how, like, everything in the middle. I mean, right. Like, I, and we live, we have very socialist institutions in the U.S. Oh, yeah. Because we're capitalism. Social safety security. Nets. Yeah. 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 Or, like, Medicare for all. Yeah. Uh, food stamps is a fucking socialist institution. I think that's more welfare state. But over... just, you say the concept of a welfare state is a socialist ideal. 
is that you know it's people like branch off, yeah, right? People that, yeah. aren't you know you're not gonna starve, right? right? Like even though you will make more money and you'll have more luxury and more comfort and you'll have more access to wealth, the more work you contribute. If you're down on your luck or you're fucking poor, mm-hmm. you're not going to starve. Is right. the idea at least? Right. Obviously, it's not super effective. Right. Um, but you're, it's not, you're the, not giving people a fucking mansion. No. The military, right. the U.S. military, is the most socialist fucking institution in the United States, and it's so funny. See, now they're gonna hunt us down. Most this is a, this is on media, and yeah, now they're gonna fucking hunt us down. Great. Awesome. But the the staunchest antagonists to socialism I've ever seen. It's not just capitalists. They're like, fucking socialism is the devil. You know, and they're in the military. Motherfucker. We're all getting paid the same amount of money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? No matter what our job is, we're getting, you're getting paid the same if you are a gate guard or if you're a dental hygienist mm-hmm. or if you're an IT guy, as long as you're the same rank, you're all making the same money. That's actually more communist than yeah. socialism. Well, well no, because it, because it increases with your rank. As you become uh, a staff sergeant, you uh, the expectation is you're providing more to the Air Force. You're a leader now. You know you have more. So everyone is equal among except the for rank. certain people. Yes, there you go. A little <laughs> yeah. Orwellian. Yeah, yeah. Not we're not all equally farm. equal. Which you don't like. I don't like animal you farm. Fucker. I don't like. How could you not like it? It's because perfect... I don't like allegories. It's the... So it's not that Animal Farm itself is bad. I just think allegories are annoying. Yeah, but they're they're the, they're the perfect way to disseminate complex information in simple form. You can, I think you can accomplish the same thing with like a fictitious story that is not an allegory necessarily, but it's highly analogous to a real world thing. So like, I, uh, I think some people either are incapable or won't mm-hmm. process that amount of information. No. So here's here's my example of a, of an anti allegory. Stephen King wrote a short, and this is a bit of a I'll keep this a small tangent, but Stephen King wrote a short story, I believe it was for the Washington Post. It was called A Death. And it was about, it was told from the perspective of the sheriff of an old Wild West small village out in the middle of the fucking desert mm-hmm. um, who busts in the door of this guy who is accused of being not just a child rapist, but a child murderer. Murder the child that he raped in this small town Right, so you know uh, the court of popular opinion is very strong right. with this because there's only like a hundred people in this town. Right. So they all seem to think that he did it. It seems to be the popular opinion mm-hmm. on that basis alone, and on the basis that they found his hat at the scene of the crime. They kick in the door, they arrest him, and after a very short trial, they sentence him to death. And the whole time he's like, "I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about." Right. You know what I mean? Well, he found your hat on the scene. I lost my hat. I don't know where it was. Yeah. Somebody might have stolen my hat for all I know. I left it somewhere. I forgot it somewhere. No, you always have your hat on you. We always see you wear your hat. See, this is the kind of bullshit. It's not really evidence. Yeah. I'm commonly seen with my hat, and now I don't have my hat, and you think I did it. That sounds, um, even though it's Stephen King, that sounds very Russian literature. It sounds yeah. very Dostoevsky. Right. Yeah. It's, I mean, because it's, I mean, this is a point in time of the U.S. culture that where these th- kind of things were common. Right. Uh, and so he is... Never pick up a hitchhiker. He's... They'll kill you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And so he's... The satanic panic and all that shit. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But uh, he's executed and he dies very poorly. He weeps and everything. And the sheriff is starting to think like, fuck, what if we just killed an innocent man? He has the realization, like, you know, I really didn't know for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I really strongly believed, but I didn't know for sure. And the whole time, I mean, this guy was treated very cruelly. Like, he was thrown in jail. They barely fed him. And so you really get this intense feeling that it is this is just an absolute atrocity of injustice. Does he ever answer that? The other thing, the other piece of evidence, was that the girl who was murdered and killed had just received a silver dollar. And she had not gotten anywhere 
to spend it yet. So she should have still had her silver dollar on her. It was like her lucky silver dollar or whatever. And it wasn't on her. So they think whoever raped and murdered her also robbed her. But right. they couldn't find the silver dollar on him. Right. So they assumed he had spent it. But they were like, damn, if we could have just found that silver dollar on him, that would have been the fucking... That would have been it. That would have been the nail in the coffin. And the autopsy shows up that it was in his fucking intestines. He did it. He absolutely did it. Wow. But the whole time you're yeah. feeling awful. Like, this is so unjust. And then you realize the whole point yeah. is that even guilty people deserve justice. Yeah. It was still unjust what they right. did to him, yeah, even yeah, though yeah, he yeah. was guilty. Yeah. And this was the most heinous crime imaginable. He raped, murdered, and robbed a fucking eight-year-old that girl. Shit, that is very Dostoyevsky. Yeah. That is, that is, that is and like this was Stephen King. Textbook. Stephen yeah. King wrote this only a few years ago, so yeah. he still got it. And that's but, fantastic. Uh, that's a great story. I'm actually have to read But it's read not that. an allegory, and yeah. it gets a fantastic point across. Yeah. That, I think, is great writing, where I think allegories just beat you over the fucking head. With, I Some people it. have a really hard head, man. Yeah, it's true. And to crack that motherfucker open, you got to have a sledgehammer. It's true. Some people probably did read that short story by Stephen King and be like, "Oh, well, it's a good thing he went through all that bullshit." Then you know, you know what I mean? You know, it's like, no, you, it's not. You know which writer had like the the biggest sledgehammer hmm. for that, like cracking people's heads open? Doctor Seuss. He boiled down his shit into like. Two sentences, not even complete. I can't make this sentences. simpler for you. Yeah, yeah, I cannot make this. Eat any this simpler. fucking green eggs and ham. I have a book called the Butter Battle Book, and it's one of his lesser-known works. And I found this in a bookstore. And I was like, "Oh, it's Doctor Seuss." And I picked it up, and I started flipping through it, and I was like, "Oh my god, what the fuck?" Basically, it's the story of two like villages or countries or whatever that share a border, and one side puts the butter on the bottom of their toast, and one side puts the butter on the top of their toast. And they just are at odds all the time about the fact that they put butter on the opposite sides of they're the toast. They're fucking idiots that they yeah. put their butter on that Those side of their fucking toast. Idiots. Those they're they're infidels, basically. Yeah. So they start like it starts out with somebody having a slingshot on one side and like shooting like a pedal or pebble or something over to the other side. The next page is basically a mechanism that's like two slingshots on their side. Mm -hmm. And on this side, next page. There's like eight slingshots on like this one weird Dr. Seussian sort yeah. of, you know, creation. Yeah, And the next elaborate. one is one giant slingshot. And the next one is one giant slingshot with a bunch of other slingshots, you know? Yeah. And it's they, they start showing how both of them start becoming more military-like. Like, but before, mm -hmm. you know, a couple pages before, it's just like the, the old wise man who runs the blah, blah, blah. But later on, he's dressed in like a general's uniform and he's barking out orders and he's not nice anymore. And he's like... Right telling people that they have to serve the cause and all this and it ends up like the last page is literally just this giant fucking arms race and it doesn't really resolve it it blew my mind i was like this is fucking perfect you so cannot get more simplistic yeah. than this mm -hmm. you know that's why i think he had the biggest sledgehammer like it's yeah. right there he, he can do it for kids who have the hardest fucking head of all right exactly that's a really good point over something super in inconsequential. It makes you look at like the things that really make us draw the line in the sand over our cultures and in our in and out groups. Now some things, exactly. mind you, I think are pretty fucked up that right. I, I would not I would not accept. You know what I mean? Like this is right. this is worth fighting over. Like, like like if a presidential candidate came out and, and admitted he was a pedophile but he didn't want to be judged. Or if they were just like, We are gonna persecute homosexuals. It's like I don't yeah. there's not really a lot of can't really see eye to eye on this. Maybe yeah, this is the no, opposite. Yeah. Maybe this is counter discourse. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it's uh I mean you, you have a point there, like you said what you would not do from your personal perspective. Right. And you made that clear mm -hmm. that it was you, not everyone should do this. Right. Which I think is good. And that works to keep the non-judgment, non-preach song going. Right. 
All right, I don't even know how long we've been fucking doing this. I'm going to be unprofessional, and I'm going to look at this thing right here while you're it's unprofessional. It's almost eight. 55 minutes. Let's call it, I guess. Okay. Yeah. Perfect, man. Rock and roll, man. Awesome. Roman, fucking pleasure, man. Always. Always, man. Absolutely. It was really good. All right. Uh, stay tuned for episode number two, hopefully within two weeks. But if not, eh, go fuck yourself.